Hey everyone, welcome to the Gate Alliance Church. We're so glad you could join us for this week's podcast. If you have any questions or want to learn how you can be more engaged in our church, check us out online at thegatechurch.ca. Thanks for listening and enjoy this week's podcast. Open it up in prayer. Father God, thank you for this morning. Thank you that we can come into this place, your house, give you praise for who you are. Be with us now, Lord, as we dig into your word and we become equipped with what your word says. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, Philippians 4.4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Awesome. Are you excited as my shirt is to be here today? <laughs> Thanks, Doug. <laughs> no, I'm excited to be here because I get to be here, right? I don't have to be here. I could be any one of a number of different places, just like you can, but we get to be here. We get to come together. We get to worship our Lord together. We get to be with our brothers and sisters in Christ. We get to, right? We don't have to. We get to. And it's an honor and privilege that we can come together and be the church in our community. Amen. So I wish to thank Pastor Mark for the opportunity once again to uh, be able to bring the message. Uh, Having previously pastored, I understand and I respect the position of the pulpit and speaking in another's pulpit. So I'm very grateful for the opportunity to share this word as I wrap up unwrapping Advent. So this morning, I have a deep question for you, and it is this. What are you worried about? What's your problem? Seriously, what's keeping you up at night? Consuming your thoughts during the day? Consuming your energy? What is it that's causing you stress and anxiety? What's your problem, or rather, what are you worrying about? We're going to equip ourselves this morning by discovering in the word of God exactly how we can overcome worrying. How we can defeat anxiety with the wisdom of God's word and through the power of the Holy Spirit within us. So we know we're not supposed to worry about anything. As we read in Matthew chapter 6 verse 34 it says, Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, right? But let's suppose, let's suppose that if we were to worry about something, what would you worry about? Does anything come to mind? We worry about our kids, to keep them safe, to raise them to be responsible. We worry about our status. What do other people think about us? We worry about FOMO. This is a new one for me. FOMO, it's an acronym, and it defines the fear of missing out, right? Fear of missing out of what our friends and our family are doing, and we're not. Pete did it to me this morning. He sent me a nice picture from Florida. (laughs) FOMO, fear of missing out. And they make sure that you're going to fear that because they post it on Facebook and Instagram and they tweet about it, right? Just in case you were not worrying enough already. What about worrying about money, whether short-term or long-term? Short-term being, how am I going to be able to pay the bills this month? Or long-term, what if I last longer than my money does? What else? We worry about our health, about which way the doctor's report will direct our decisions. We worry about our career, about losing our job or being stuck in a job that we don't enjoy. 
We worry about much, much more than these things, of course. This is just a very brief surface level list of some of the things that we do worry about. And for some of you, it's not just one thing, but it can be all of those things plus more. All this worry causes us unhealthy and destructive anxiety in our lives. There's a Harvard study that looks at the past 80 years, and it concludes that as each year passes, the anxiety level in society increases each and every year. Anxiety has become a rampant plague, whether you are a follower of Christ or you're yet to follow Christ. Anxiety is an unpleasant, present emotion and a present fear of the uncertainty of the future. Within the last 20 years, anxiety has increased exponentially and now affects nearly every age category, both male and female. In fact, the the quickest rising age category is the 10 to 12 year olds. Young persons are encountering anxiety and other related mental health issues that have never been seen before at the levels, the volumes that they are now in all of history. We should not be taken by surprise by these stats, however, because the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. The enemy does not attack us because of who we are, but rather because of whose we are. The enemy will use any tactics to cause us to be ineffective in our calling and attempt us to sever our relationship with Jesus and with others. The enemy will attempt to steal, kill, and destroy our hope, our peace, our joy, our love, because that is what the enemy does. Jesus said, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. And now if that was not possible, Jesus would have not spoke those words. So knowing that, Knowing that it is possible stirs my spirit to know that I can and you can and we all can have an abundant life. So anxiety was present during the first Christmas. So we're going to be talking about Mary for a moment. Now she would have been between 13 and 15 years old, the scholars say, and she's betrothed to be married to Joseph, which was the custom then. Think about it for a moment. No other woman in history, before her or after her, would immaculately conceive while being a virgin. How would she explain being with child to her family, to her fiance? Talk about a stressful situation. Not only that, but while just about ready to have her child, she has to ride a donkey to Bethlehem. Any women here? Three, last three days of your pregnancy, up for riding a donkey. We got some strong women here. Wow, their hand, hands went up. <laughs> uh, I don't think I could do it. <laughs> I know I couldn't. <laughs> then her and Joseph arrive, and they find out that they have to stay in a stable with barn animals. What else would be in there with the barn animals, right? Away from her family with no doctor, alone with a man she has never been intimate with. I think that's the making for some various serious anxiety. And oh, let's not forget that she's been told that she's going to be raising the Son of God, so now she has the stress of raising a perfect child. (laughs) 
So if you could turn with me to uh, Book of Luke, chapter 1. We're going to start at verse 26 if you've got your Bibles. If not, you can just listen up here. Luke, chapter 1, starting at verse 26. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed, to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. See, when Mary was afraid, she chose to trust God and accept his plan. The word afraid appears every time in the Christmas story whenever an angel appears. Don't be afraid. Why? Because anxiety, fear robs your joy. What is the result when we trust God and his plan? The result is always joy. A little later on in the text in Luke 147, Mary says, My spirit finds its joy in God my Savior. Mary made a choice. The choice is also ours to make. Say with me, I choose joy. I choose joy. So let's talk a little bit about Joseph for a moment. I cannot begin to imagine the anxiety that he must have been feeling when Mary, his virgin fiance, approached him to tell him that she was expecting a child. The fact that these two were betrothed is also cause for some stress. If they were engaged, as we call it today, Joseph could have easily broken it off and moved on. But being betrothed meant that they had actually signed a legal contract one year prior to the wedding date. And the only way to break a betrothal was a legal divorce, which in this case of assumed adultery would have caused serious legal and serious social consequences for Mary. Joseph had not yet been told about the miracle that Mary was carrying. He would have been going through a roller coaster of emotions, anger, resentment, bitterness, the list goes on. All this would have compounded into a ball of anxiety within him. But Joseph chose to offer grace toward Mary because he loved her. He chose to quietly call off the wedding without bringing some disgrace to Mary. Joseph chose to not allow resentment to steal his joy. So when I asked you earlier, what's your problem? I should have also asked, who's your problem? Possibly someone has hurt you in the past. 
to the point that no person should have to endure. Maybe it was last week. Maybe it was over the Christmas holidays. Maybe it was last month or last year. Maybe it was a decade ago that someone hurt you and you're still holding on to that hurt. Now, I don't want to discount the fact that when people inflict pain on us, it's very real. I get that. Now, you may be thinking they don't deserve forgiveness for what they've done. And you may be right. But the fact of the matter is, and the truth is, none of us deserve forgiveness. Not a single one of us. And yet, because of our Lord Jesus Christ, we have all been forgiven. And we need to extend grace, as Joseph did. And we need to extend forgiveness to one another so that we may be restored into a right relationship with our Lord Jesus and with each other and experience the fullness of his joy of the abundant life he says that we can have. In Matthew chapter 1, verses 19 to 21, it says, And her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. It was after Joseph extended grace to Mary that God reveals the plan to him. Joseph had a choice. As well, we all have a choice in our own anxious situations. He chose to release his bitterness, and in so doing, God blessed him and included him in the raising of Jesus, the Son of God. What blessing is God waiting to bring into our lives, into your life, into my life? But we are too stubborn, right? We are, we're continuing to hold on to those hurts, or we hold on to that bitterness or that anger. Some of us have held on to things for so long that we could almost consider it a pet. So, oh, the thank you, I got one. <laughs> it's funny. I know, I'm trying to break it up with a little humor, but it's, it's a heavy message, but... <laughs> Uh, hey, you get up here. <laughs> I can, and I do speak from personal experience. I've been there. I know what it's like holding on to those hurts. You may be thinking, I'm not strong enough. And the fact is, you are absolutely right. That's why God sent us a Savior, so that we didn't have to do it on our own. Because we can't do it on our own. When I read... 1 Peter 5, 7, in various different translations, it says to give all your worries, to cast all your worries, to turn all your worries over, to throw all your worries, and to leave all your worries, for he cares for you. I believe each of these translations gets the point across, no matter where you are in your walk. Some of us are ready to simply leave all of our worries and just walk away. And some of us, we need to cast that thing. We need to throw that thing. Actually get violent about it and cast it off. If you say you can't do it, I need to remind you that you can. In Nehemiah 8.10, it says, For the joy of the Lord is your strength. However, the choice still remains ours. And I choose joy. I choose joy. Get that in your spirit. 
time to talk about the wise men. So they came from the east following the star that led them west. They had no plan, no GPS, no satellite phone to ask for directions. Not that they would because they were men. Um, but <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but we don't know if they had families back home or not. But if they did, I can only imagine their wives were asking, where are you going? For how long? Leaving me with the 12 kids? Like seriously, we have no idea. But I'm sure that the absence of these men from their homeland not only caused them stress from being away, but also their families as well. In Matthew 2, 2, it says, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. The wise men were on a mission to find the one, born king of the Jews, and to worship him. They had already decided to follow the light God placed in the sky. And then let's not forget about the shepherds in this story. In Luke 2, 10, 11 says, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. What was it that the good news will cause? Great joy. For who? All people. Great joy for all people. Man, there is a message in there somewhere. <laughs> and it is this great joy that we celebrate in our lives as believers in Jesus' birth, his death, and his resurrection. This great joy is not just a feeling we experience during the Christmas holidays. It is a choice. It is a decision that we get to make every single day because we know that Jesus is Lord. He is our strength. He is our light. He is our joy and it is because of who he is that we can celebrate. On the flip side, if we think about it for a moment, our society has conditioned us for anything but joy. We have been conditioned for negativity, not the nativity. It is so common that we do not notice it anymore. So good news rarely makes the news. I'll, I'll prove it to you right here. A 70% chance of sunshine? is a 30% chance of rain. <laughs> Done. When Roman was in high school, I caught myself focusing on the C grade and not the A's and the B's. Even in churches, people walk out of the service being critical about what they liked or didn't like when they should be considering what God was trying to say through the message. Since we're already conditioned this way, we need to be reconditioned and make an effort to rethink how we think. Now, for those of you who do not know, I am somewhat of a geek or nerd when it comes to computers. Now, why I say that is that I want you to think of anxiety like a software virus. Have you ever been working away on your computer, deeply entrenched in a game of Minesweeper or Solitaire? Suddenly, your screen went blue, right? The blue screen of death, it's, it's known. And if you're an Apple person, it's either a, a sick Mac or a bomb icon that you get. You felt pretty anxious when these things happen. Now I need to stop and apologize for a moment. Some of you haven't heard a single thing I've said this morning. I asked you a question at the beginning and you're still thinking about it. Possibly worrying about that nagging thing that came to your mind when I asked you what is your problem or who is your problem. Now if I can get your attention away from that thinking, my hope and desire is to equip us all with virus protection software. It's called the 4-8 Firewall. 
Now to communicate to my nerdy colleagues out there, hi Doug, <laughs> I went straight to the source, Wikipedia, and it says this about a firewall. In computing, a firewall is a network security system that monitors and controls incoming and outgoing network traffic based on predetermined security rules. A firewall typically establishes a barrier between a trusted internal network and untrusted outside network such as the internet. That's good preaching. <laughs> Amen. For those of you who are not computer geeks, I get it. So let me rephrase that so we can understand how a firewall can work in our lives. As believers of Christ, our firewall is the Holy Spirit within us that monitors and controls incoming and outgoing messages based on the application in our daily living of the Word of God. The Holy Spirit establishes barriers by prompting us to apply Philippians 4.8 to all incoming messages from the world around us so that our outgoing messages align to God's Word and to His will. That's good preaching. As followers of Jesus Christ, we are already equipped with the 4-8 firewall. We simply need to run the executable program in our data banks so that our algorithms synchronize with the intent of the programmer's initial response generation requirements. I just nerded out. <laughs> As followers of Christ, we're equipped to apply the word of God in our lives so that we may bless God, be blessed by God, and be a blessing to others. If we apply Philippians 4.8 in our lives, we will see our lives change as well as those around us. 1 Peter 1, chapter 1, verses 6 to 9 says this, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls." There is a lot to be preached in there, but I want to bring focus to a few words. Joy inexpressible. It only occurs here in the New Testament and describes a joy so profound that it is beyond the power of words to express. This joy is not an ordinary joy. It is not an earth-born joy. It is joy unspeakable. So I choose joy. The Abundant Life today, I feel, is a perfect end to our Advent series that reminds us all that Jesus came as a baby and that he sacrificed his life so that we could live and live abundantly according to his own words. So allow me to read you an excerpt from a book titled The 4-8 Principle. That's where I got inspiration for some of this message. So it says this, it's by an author, his name's Tommy Newberry. It says, your thoughts are showing. Almost everything that happens to you, good or bad, originates with a single thought. Neuroscientists can now demonstrate that every thought sends electrical and chemical signals throughout your brain, ultimately affecting each cell in your body. Thoughts can influence your sleep, your digestion, your pulse, the chemical makeup of your blood, and all other bodily functions. The secret conversations you hold in your own mind are shaping your destiny little by little. Whatever you direct your mind to think about will ultimately be revealed for everyone to see. Every thought you have shifts your life in a particular direction. 
Let's read Philippians 4.8, and I'll be reading it from the message. Summing it all up, friends, I'd say you'll do best by filling your minds and meditating on these on things that are true, noble, reputable, authentic, compelling, gracious, the best, not the worst, the beautiful, not the ugly, things to praise, not things to curse. Now that sounds good, and it is easier said than done. Jesus came so that we may have life and have life to the max, and that includes our thought life. Why is my Advent message about our thoughts in this regard? Simply because our thoughts may be visible to others that do not know who Jesus is. If we say that we're followers of Jesus, but our lives showcase something other than how Jesus taught us to live, even in our thought life, others that are curious hear or see the results of our negative thinking in our lives and observe inconsistencies with what we say we believe and what we actually are living daily. In Romans 12:2, Paul writes, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's use the analogy of our minds as a computer, hard drives, for example. Our thoughts are files that we save to our drives. Now over time we can clutter up our drives with so many files that our drives become bogged down. They don't process like they once used to uh, and it becomes a mess. It's wise to do what's called a disk defrag to optimize our hard drive so that we get optimum performance, that we renew our minds. As well, a disk cleanup removing temporary duplicate files is also recommended so that we have more memory to store information on our computers, but that's also renewing our minds. We too, with our human brains, we need to take the necessary steps to purge files, things from our system that don't belong. God's given us Philippians 4.8 as our filtering and virus protection software to select what files we should be placing in our hard drives. We have the opportunity to shape our future. Our past is our past. Our next thought will shape our present and eventually our future. Paul would have not written what he did if we as a people were always positive or if we could not control our negativity. He reminds us that we all have a choice and with God's help we can control our thoughts. Whether we choose to count our blessings like Mary and Joseph or choose to complain, the fact is we always have a choice. Living the abundant life is not meant for us to keep under a basket hidden away. Living the abundant life is an opportunity for us to demonstrate that God is a good God, a loving God. He takes care of his children in all areas of life, including our thought life. Our lives, every aspect of our lives are meant to be instruments to proclaim that Jesus is the Lord of our lives. And it is because of him that our lives are blessed, filled with joy, that our lives are lived out to the max, being blessed by God so we can be a blessing to others, pointing the way to a full life with Jesus to everyone around us. It is only natural if we apply God's 4-8 firewall to our thoughts that God's goodness, his love will shine through us to others that are looking for light. They will know that we know God by our love for one another, by our words and our actions. And our words and actions begin with our thoughts. So next time someone offers you a penny, 
be lucky if you could find one these days, but <laughs> simply let them know that your thoughts are not for sale and they're fixed on you creating your destiny, living the abundant life because Jesus made it possible for us all. Closing, I was encouraged further by reading an excerpt from Max Licato's book it's called Anxious for Nothing in reference to Philippians 4.8 and I'd like to share it to encourage you as well. But as I do, uh, worship team, would you please join me? This is from Anxious for Nothing. It says this. Paul's final instruction on his prescription to anxiety is to meditate on the things of God. In other words, pick what you ponder. Healing from anxiety requires healthy thinking. In truth, your challenge is not your challenge. Your challenge is the way you think about your challenge. Likewise, your problem is not your problem. The way you look at the problem is your problem. The enemy knows this, which is why he is always seeking to plant lies in your thinking. He wants to influence the way that you perceive your struggles or uncertainties. You have a power he can never defeat, for you have God on your side. When anxiety threatens to weigh down your heart, you can simply call on God. Of course, saying this and doing this, as I said, are two different things. You may want to resolve that today you will think only on things that are true, honorable, and right. But who can really do that? There's a simple way. Make it your aim to cling to Christ. Abide in him, right? We just went through a whole series on abiding in our Lord. Go to him as your source of strength and, and the one your thoughts need to obey. Read God's word. Listen to sermons, worship him, set aside distractions and claim time for him. Understand that if anything good comes into your life, he will be the conduit. The dominant duty of the disciple is to cling to Jesus. And when you cling to Jesus, you will find your mind with God's truth. And that truth sets you free, free from fear, free from dread, and yes, free from anxiety. A new day awaits, a new season in which you will worry less and trust more. A season with reduced fear and enhanced faith. Can you imagine a life in which you are anxious for nothing? Great book. Pick it up if this message has been speaking to you today. Great book. So my question now is, what are you thinking? Please stand with me as we uh, close in prayer and continue to worship our Father. Father God, thank you for the miracle of your son's birth, for his selfless sacrifice on the cross. Because of your goodness, we are able to have life and have life abundantly. Thank you for your word and your promises. Your word tells us we have, because of Jesus' birth, death, and resurrection. We pray, Lord, that we what we have heard this morning, not merely the words spoken, but what the spirit within us has heard, what we have received, that we respond to your instructions through Paul's letter and that we would apply the 4-8 firewall to our lives so that we can experience for ourselves that unspeakable joy. Lord Jesus, it's no secret this time of year is not the most joyful for everyone. So if there's anyone here today that is overwhelmed with anxiety, Stress has become too much to handle alone. I pray and ask that they would stretch out their hand to those around them, that we would 
be able to pray for one another. We go through life with one another. We go through the hills. We go through the valleys with each other. So I would pray, Lord, that no one would leave here today carrying that thing that they came in with, that they'd be able to leave that here today at your feet. I pray that brothers and sisters would pray with one another. Lord, your word equips us. We're so thankful, Lord, for what you're doing in your people's lives. Your word says in Philippians 4, 6, to not worry. Don't be anxious for anything, but to pray and ask for everything that we need to make our request known. I was giving thanks. Lord, I pray and ask that you will prompt each one of us to seek you in prayer and to surround ourselves with others that would pray with us. Lord, use your church. Use your church, Lord, to bring healing through your power. We give you thanks. We give you thanks. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You are Alpha and Omega. You are Emmanuel, God with us. We give you thanks. Proclaim your name above all names. You are the one true and only living God. We're humbled in your presence. Thank you, Jesus. Let's continue to worship our God. Amen. Thanks for listening to today's podcast. We make these messages available to give you a window into our church, but also an open gate for you to join in with our community. Our Sunday service is at 10 a.m., and we look forward to seeing you soon. And know that there is a place for you at the gate. Please remember to visit thegatechurch.ca for more information about our church.